0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Rethinking Rehab with Dr. Shane Smith. I'm a licensed physical therapist practicing out of Naples, Florida and have been treating patients with orthopedic and musculoskeletal problems for the last decade. I will inform everybody listening that we finally hit our first cold front down here in South Florida. It was a nice 57 degrees when I got up this morning, so enjoyable to finally have a uh, Break in the heat. It's been an extremely hot summer down here in Florida this year. Uh, back in July, a little bit of August, we were clicking triple digits almost every day. Uh, very little rain, so that didn't help cool things off at all. So it's definitely a nice change of pace down here in Naples now that uh, the temps are dropping, the humidity cut. And hopefully we'll be looking at perfect weather days going forward for the majority of season, which typically is in the 70s, low 80s with no humidity and sunshine without rain virtually every day so getting close to that perfect time to live in naples and uh, that always means more snowbirds coming down and i'm sure with uh temps cooling off here it's got to be cold up north so i'm sure we'll see influxes noticeably coming in here soon i know car carriers and things of that nature which are always our initial indicators of people coming back down are here again as well back to the podcast. I wanted to talk a little bit about hydration today. Um, With people out exercising, doing more things, uh, tends to come with some form of dehydration. And this is all kind of spurred off a conversation I had last week with a patient regarding her cramping and dehydration and lack thereof in terms of why it happens and how to prevent it. So Today's podcast, I thought I'd share with you a little bit uh, about hydration, why it's important, what functions need to occur uh, or have to occur with proper hydration, and if it's not there, where you could run into some problems. So when we talk about hydration, most people think about water. Um, They don't drink enough water. If they're drinking too much alcohol, which dehydrates them, and they don't supplement with water, typically this is going to be your late night out or you know, football game or what have you that you're having fun enjoying. um, Those issues with hydration definitely uh, become apparent. But hydration isn't all about water. I mean, when we think hydration, you are thinking water and hydrating your body and hydrating cells, which is the basis point of our whole system working. And you know, when you think about the body, we are 80% water. So you think about what you're Uh, total masses as a human and 80% of that is water liquid that makes you up so on an average day this is a non-athletic slash physically challenging day you're going to drop four percent turnover in water in your body so if you're not supplementing four percent of your body in water, you're putting yourself in a deficient category. And one of the most common problems or issues I see with hydration has to do with the older community. Um, Those individuals that get over 70, 75 years old, start to get concerned about bathroom trips, which from somebody younger like myself is sometimes challenging to comprehend. You're literally going to put your entire body system at a stressed point because it's dehydrated all the time because you don't want to have to get up and go to the bathroom. I know it sounds crazy, but I've heard this from so many patients over the years, especially in the evening times. That's uh, one of the more challenging ones with, with sleep at night. You know, a lot of older individuals get very, very concerned about basic body function. They're really concerned about what hurts. They're really concerned about how they can move. They're really concerned about their quality of sleep. And they're really concerned about how everything works in the bathroom. These are just standard things that older individuals as a whole tend to think about, talk about, gravitate around. However, what they're lacking is the reality that a lot of body functions don't work appropriately because they are dehydrated. It's all because they don't want to have to get up two three times at night and go to the bathroom. What I typically do for that individual is I let them know that they need to hydrate more throughout the day more in the morning hours when they're less disturbed by having to get up and go use the restroom Um, as we get older kidneys don't function quite the same way sometimes our bladders aren't capable of holding the same volume of liquid so there are justifiable reasons why they have to get up more at night to go to the bathroom than somebody younger would Um, and usually what i'll do is i'll meet them in the middle and say, I understand sleep is important. And if you don't get a good number of hours of sleep consistently through the night, your next day is very affected. Um, you'll typically need naps, and that's gonna affect your sleep the next night after that because you've been sleeping so much during the day. So typically what I'll tell people is after dinner time, around 7.30 or eight, cut off fluids at that point. So you have to make sure you're getting enough from the moment you wake up until dinnertime. And after dinner time, minimize them. If you can go a couple hours at night, before bed without drinking much fluid. The ways your kidneys process fluid changes slightly because there's not such a large volume consistently coming in. Our kidneys are really intended to filter water back into our blood and allow for a certain concentration of urine. If you've ever noticed that you haven't been able to go to the bathroom for a while, or you haven't drank much water traveling, and when you do have to go to the bathroom, it's always much more colored, typically a darker yellow, um, and usually has more of a scent to it. That just means it's more concentrated. When we drink plenty of water and stay hydrated, one of the keys will know if we are hydrated is by the color of your urine. Um, It should be a very faint yellow clear color and it should have minimal scent. If you have a pungent smelling urine or a very dark colored urine, your uh, kidneys have had to concentrate that fluid immensely to try to use as much of the water in your blood as possible for other processes. So that's an easy indicator Am I dehydrated or not? What's the color and smell of your pee? If it's not too yellow, it doesn't smell that much, you're probably doing okay. Another general indicator for everybody you can kind of give in terms of a quantity of water is eight, eight ounce servings a day is a great go-to. So that's roughly 64 ounces of water a day is ideal for most people. There will be certain restrictions with certain severe health situations that may require more, may require less. I have had some patients in the past that have kidney disease and certain kidney functioning problems, and they are advised by their doctors not to drink too much straight water only. They want more sugars and things like that in the water. Um, That's a very rare case to be in that kind of a position. For the general majority of people listening, it will be eight eight ounce servings of water a day, and that is on a normal day basis. If you are active outdoors, even if you're in a position of having to give speeches or talk a lot, that's one I think that most people don't realize how dehydrating it is. Um, Maybe some do realize this because of COVID, but as we speak, talk, breathe, we lose water particles out of our mouth, uh, nose, as we're talking. Um, It's not a huge amount, but if you think about a teacher having to be in a classroom teaching for six to eight hours a day, uh, if you're a professional giving speeches and meetings, if you're giving banquet speeches, you're a couple hours talking constantly, you're going to lose some fluid through that process. Also, for anyone that works outdoors, uh, especially if it's a more laborious based job to where you're sweating with your line of work, you're losing more fluid via sweat. So if it's you know talking a lot, if it's sweating a lot, if it's very active based work, you need more than eight ounce servings, eight, eight ounce servings of water a day. You're probably more 10 to 12, uh, a day. Um, when we start looking into other aspects of hydration, other than just water, that's typically where people get lost at. And what we're talking about is different minerals that are in our water that allow us to have body functions that work properly. So when we're talking about electrolytes, Typically, the electrolytes we're going to be talking about, sodium, potassium, magnesium, sometimes uh, calcium and other chloride-based minerals also can get grouped into electrolytes or minerals that help with electrical-based activities. Because these minerals have electric charge to them, They have the ability to conduct electricity. And because there's charge to them, it allows for things to move where it wouldn't otherwise move. So if you kind of think about games you've played as a kid with magnets and various things with polarity, so something that's positive, something that's negative, there's charge to it. Anytime there's charge, you can have an electrical field or actual movement of things from it. Uh, I can remember as a kid doing a project with batteries and putting them a certain way to get a little coin to move in between uh, magnetized poles. So anytime you're thinking about some of our electrolytes, we're thinking about things that have electrical charge and ability to move things. So what are important, what processes are important, you must have proper electrolytes for, proper minerals that are charged for, you have to have it to help balance the amount of water in your body. So you can chug, drink as much water as you'd like, If you're lacking minerals, it's not going to have the same effect positive for your body and body functions. Um, Minerals or electrolytes also help regulate your pH level. Uh, We have to have a very specific pH for all chemical reactions and enzymatic reactions to occur properly in our body. So many processes, especially with digestion, they require enzymes, which are little things that help speed up chemical processes and break things down or build them up faster for us, um, that all works only in a specific pH. So that is something very important to maintain. If you have a lower than normal pH, you're in an acidosis situation where a lot of bad inflammatory and other bacterial growths can occur. If you get more in an alkaline system, that can also be negative if it's too high. However, alkaline systems typically do better than acidic conditions do overall for our body. As I talked about with charge and the ability to move things, electrolytes help move nutrients in and out of your cells. So they help bring the good stuff you need into your cells and they help move bad waste products out. If you think about your heart, your digestive system, you think about any of your major body systems or your body as a whole, if you go down to the smallest living level of our body, everything occurs at a cellular level. So if you're not getting nutrients properly in cells, And waste products out of cells those cells aren't going to work well and they're going to have disease processes and everything else is going to start falling apart because of it Um, what most people i speak to regarding electrolytes because it's in my scope of practice relates to muscle and nerve function so as we were kind of talking about before that electrolytes have charge they have the ability to conduct electricity And if we have the proper amount of electrolytes or minerals, they're virtually the same thing, in our muscle tissue or nervous tissue, then we can conduct electricity very well through those systems. That allows muscles to fire with a good amount of contraction force. So sometimes if you're dehydrated and your muscles aren't functioning properly, you're never gonna be able to lift and perform job-related tasks or workout-related tasks to what you would like to, as well as you have the uh, uh, possibility muscles to completely lock up on you and many people refer to this as a muscle cramp Uh, a charley horse is a common one Uh, just really depends on the muscle you get effects with but most muscle cramping occurs from either lack of fluid dehydration in that regard or lack of electrolytes or a imbalance in the quantity of electrolytes you need for muscle function to occur because not only do electrolytes contract and tighten a muscle, they also play a very important part in getting the muscle to relax. And if you have just enough electrolytes to fire that muscle, but not enough electrolytes to get it to relax, guess what, you're cramped up and feel like shit. So that's a real important one that I deal with most commonly, and most people listening to this will deal with issues with dehydration or electrolyte imbalance in the form of a muscle cramp-based issue with their bodies another extremely important aspect is heart rate and rhythm so if you've had some irregularities in your heart you've noticed some funky beats in your chest there's a lot of other possibilities that could be causing that however one basic place to start with is am i dehydrated um, should i look at some electrolyte replacements and and there's a lot of good ways to get these you can get a lot of them through your food you can get a lot of them through beverages which i'll speak about um, so they are Easily attainable if you know where to look. And I had a patient just recently in here uh, a week or two ago, and it was hormonal and mineral based issues that was causing her heart arrhythmia. And if you've ever gone through it, which I'm unfortunately one that has gone through some AFib and other arrhythmia based issues with my heart. A lot of it had to do with certain hormonal and or mineral imbalances that caused it. And many cardiologists will not look down those roads because they're not really taught to do it. It's a sad reality in our world we live in is that doctors only know what they've been taught in school. And if their schooling doesn't teach some of these uh, options of causation or solutions for these kind of issues, they won't ever think to do it. They're just probably going to think to give you some form of antiarrhythmia medication and give you the wonderful line that I've been given for years with this issue. We don't know what causes AFib. We just know how to get you out of it, which I'll tell you up front is a big crock of bullshit. Um, so just speaking of some of the electrolytes, um, blood pressure also helps maintain blood pressure, which for many people out there is extremely important. Um, the most common one I would say if you have very high sodium levels, um, salt, you're gonna deal with high blood pressure. Um, another aspect because obviously, calcium, phosphorus, magnesium, all important minerals involved with bone and teeth health. So if you have uh, you know, issues with not so dense of bones, usually Caucasian women close to menopause are most uh, susceptible to this problem where they start to get osteopenia and potentially osteoporosis. Um, usually for individuals, Before 40, you need to really load up as much to strengthen your bones as possible. And going down a bone strengthening path, obviously getting minerals that make up your bone tissue, very important to have, but you also need to load and have resistance training on your bones It's the only uh, aspect that's really gonna help strengthen them if you're loading them. So, you know, some weight bearing activities uh, work well for lower body. Um, I like to look at adding external loads because why not add a little extra load to help strengthen a muscle with like a resistant weight or a resistant band. But it's also not only gonna help your muscle tissue but also strengthen bone tissue. And as I stated, once we all hit a certain age, We've just got what we've got. You can't really add it more after that point for bone density. So if you're listening to this and you're under 40, it's your opportunity now to strengthen your bones up because after 40, it's just going to be controlling a uh, deterioration process for some that gets pretty severe. Um, If we talk about what foods... You know, because that's one that people don't really realize. What foods can I get some of my electrolyte needs from? So sodium, um, you can obviously look at anything table salt. Um, I prefer Celtic salt; it's actually proven to be much better than your normal salt or even Himalayan salt. So Celtic salt is a great option to look at. Pickles are a great one to look at. Usually soups have salt in them, and/or like a tomato juice of some sort. So those are some options other than just an electrolyte beverage, which I. Kind of run towards because it's just so simple Um, chloride so to get this uh, electrolyte you're gonna look more at uh, your table salt also gives it to you so the Celtic salt olives lettuce um, and different tomato juices or sauces will have a good amount of chloride in them potassium many people know from bananas that's always a great source you can also get potassium from skins of potatoes or in yogurt so if you're not a fan of bananas, which is a very rare thing I hear. Um, you could look at just eating plain yogurt or, you know, cutting up some potatoes, cooking them, roasting them with the skins on them. Magnesium is definitely the harder one. Um, this mineral is one I've been told by doctors just take supplementation for because you're never going to get enough magnesium naturally in your diet. But I will tell you that halibut. Pumpkin seeds and spinach are all good sources of magnesium. So if you really don't want to go supplementation route and want to get everything natural from your diet, that's going to be your better option. Uh, Calcium, this is one that's pretty straightforward. Many people know about calcium. Um, Milk, I would tell you uh, a clean almond milk would be better than a cow's milk. There's actually twice as much calcium in almond milk, not to mention it is much healthier for our bodies to consume almond milk than cow milk. I will tell you, when I was an undergrad, I was a food science, human nutrition undergrad major and never thought negatively of cow's milk ever before. And my mother came up to visit me in college and she saw me drinking a 1% milk. And she said to me, I'm like, God, you're still drinking milk? And I looked at her like, what's wrong with milk? And she commented to me, which has stuck with me ever since, you know, humans are the only animal on the planet that drinks milk after they're a baby as well as humans are the only animal on the planet that drinks milk from another animal and i don't know why those two facts stuck with me as well as they did but i just kind of came to a realization in that conversation like damn mom you're right it doesn't sound like something we should be doing in adulthood and there on so almond milk would be a great option for regular milk if you despise almond milk then just go with something organic grass-fed something that you won't have to deal with potentially as many hormones and other things in the milk Yogurt, cheeses, sardines, spinach, kale, all great sources of calcium. So there's a lot of good food sources you can get these various minerals in if you don't want to look at an electrolyte replacement beverage. Those are just very easy to do. Um, the brand that I would tell you I recommend is a brand called Element, L-M-N-T. Um, you can order it online. Um, it is a electrolyte beverage that is primarily sodium, potassium, and magnesium. That's all it is. Um, many of your electrolyte beverages out there will use the most common that everybody knows. And being a Gator alumni, I'm happy to say this is Gatorade. Um, proud to say Gatorade was created at the University of Florida, thus, why it was named Gatorade. Um, and it was entirely made. the concept we're talking about now is that players at the university of florida on the football team would usually play a good first half of football and the second half they'd fall apart there'd be cramping and dehydration and overheating and all kinds of issues that kept players off the football field so scientists at uf devised this beverage that had these minerals in it that replaced things that water just couldn't and the season they came up with it they had a great year and outperformed everybody they played in the second half So that's kind of what you're looking at, is you want a beverage that's going to replace what you need that you're losing when you sweat. And if you've ever tasted your sweat, as gross as that may sound, it's usually pretty salty. So what you know you're losing other than just water is a lot of minerals when you sweat. So Gatorade is not my favorite option as a Florida Gator fan. And I love that we created the first major known electrolyte beverage for sports performance. However, there's way too much sugar in Gatorade. And unfortunately, many Gatorades minus one of them has dyes in it. And I'm not an advocate of artificial dyes at all. They are not good for you. They cause cancer and all kinds of other problems. You can get electrolytes much cleaner without all the sugar and dyes that you're going to get with some of those mainstream electrolyte beverages like Gatorade, Powerade, and so forth. So Element... Great option. Um, You just add a packet of it into water. Um, I will tell you that because it has a thousand milligrams of salt in it, it does have a slight salty flavor. As you can imagine, you'd kind of want that being that that's something you're lacking. Just keep an idea if you're an older individual with your blood pressure taking an electrolyte beverage like this my advice to uh individuals that have blood pressure concerns and i'm more talking about too high of blood pressure um, let's say resting 130 plus over a 90 plus anything above a 130 over 90 i would tell you be careful with how much electrolyte replacements beverages you drink I've had some patients that take these two a day when they're not really doing anything active and are seeing their blood pressure get higher. So just keep an idea with that. Um, I usually tell patients that if you are outdoors and you have more than just a, a wet forehead, like you've actually saturated your shirt in the armpits or the chest or the back feels damp from sweating, then you have lost enough electrolyte fluid to warrant doing an electrolyte replacement. Other than that, you could look at your eight eight ounce servings of water a day with maybe adding some of the food options I mentioned before in to give you some other electrolyte replacement, whether it be a pickle you eat with lunch, um, you know, do a salad with some other toppings on it that you know it's beneficial, have a banana in the morning with breakfast. There's, There's different ways you can kind of balance your electrolytes out with just needing these electrolyte beverages. If it tastes too salty, if you do go down the road and get an element, it's too salty for you. Just dilute it. You know, instead of the 12 to 16 ounces they recommend per packet, put it in 24 or 36 ounces. You're still getting that same number of electrolytes. It's just with a higher dilution of water. Thus, you don't taste it as much. So that would be an option. If you want to go with something clean, Element's the one that I drink. I used to use liquid IV um, until I realized how much sugar they put in those. So that's a challenge. I mean, sugar does give you a short energy boost. So if you're feeling very tired from an exercise, it's not bad to look at an electrolyte beverage that does have sugar in it just because it's going to give you a little energy from the simple sugars that are in the packet. But if you're not wanting to increase sugars, you don't want to have a lot of sugar in your diet, which obviously is preferred by me as well. Look at something like an element electrolyte replacement pack because that will really go a long way. I hope this podcast on hydration gives you some help with your physical exertion task. If you're dealing with a lot of muscle cramping issues, try adding some electrolyte replacements and see if that really helps. The last uh, piece of advice I will leave you all with was one of the most bizarre, but yet effective electrolyte replacement options that uh, somebody gave to me. And this would have been when I was a student intern in Chiefland, Florida. I had a old gentleman that was a farmer that I was treating and his main issue was leg tightness, cramping that was unrelenting. And when I mean unrelenting cramping, this old man had some of the worst cramping I've ever seen in my life. Um, I would stretch him on the mat table for no more than 30 seconds and he would cramp every time. I felt almost helpless to help the man because everything I tried to do for stretching exercise wise for his legs just cramped him up. I gave him all the advice I've given you in terms of food options, as well as electrolyte replacement and water hydration, none of it worked. And the one thing a technician, an older woman that would help us out in the clinic said to me, have you told them to try a tablespoon of yellow mustard once or twice a day? And I said, no, I have never heard of taking yellow mustard for cramping before. But I kid you not, it was the only thing that fixed this man's severe cramping was he'd do a tablespoon of yellow mustard in the morning and one in the evening after dinner. And the man never cramped up in my sessions working with him again. I don't know if he still has issues now, but that was the most unbelievable change in cramping issues of muscles I've ever seen in my life. And it was all due to two tablespoons of yellow mustard a day. I hope this is helpful. I hope you all get out there and exercise and have some more uh, knowledge on what you need to do to recover, to limit cramping and other issues you may deal with in the future. Stay healthy, stay happy, and stay warm out there, everybody. Until next time, take care.